Hello, friends. Uh, episode coming at you here of Notes on Work. This is the first episode of its kind. Um, I was hanging out on Twitter with Justin Jackson, a really great entrepreneur, thinker about entrepreneurship and whatnot. Um, he He's the co-founder of Transistor FM. Anyway, we're buds and we're talking on Twitter and I asked a question and he didn't reply to me publicly and then he messaged me and said, hey, you want to chat about this? And I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's put it on the podcast. So we did. We recorded this conversation. It turned into a two-hour conversation. Um, I'll probably edit it down some, remove maybe the first chunk. So whatever this length is, that's what, you know, you know. Okay. Um, but I think it's worth, I think it's worth your time. So if you care, um, yeah, this is going to be more than 10 minutes and it's going to be more than just me. So this is me and Justin just hanging out and talking about stuff. You'll hear, you'll hear once we get into it, what the questions, you know what, I'll just tell you right now. Okay. So the thing that we're talking about is his whole thing is, is like the, you know, um, instead of trying to find a unique market or create your own, create your own market or create your own demand for some idea you have making it innovative, go after an existing market with existing demand because people are already searching for something. If they're searching for the thing, you can then build a thing rather than trying to, you know, get people to search for the thing. That's like two steps. So, um, whatever, he's been talking a lot about this and I wanted some, I wanted to put some flesh on the bones. Like how, what are some strategies to actually figure out what a good idea is if there's a if there's demand for it if there's already a market for it and how big that market is and whatever we went uh, all over the planet on this one so dig it if you want don't if you don't see you soon so you work somewhere you you, you go to like a co-working space or an office or something yeah yeah i've had this space for uh since 2014 I haven't always had my own little space in it mm-hmm. but we started a co-working place in 2014 and uh, initially, I just rented a little office for myself. I've almost mm-hmm. always, since I've been remote, I've almost always rented something outside the house. Good for you. And part of that's a, a function of having kids. Uh, but part of it is also, I like, like my favorite thing is getting up, walking downtown, which takes me about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Solid. Just seeing people on the way. I see the same uh, retired guy and his dog almost every second day. You know, mm-hmm. we chat, chat to chat with Dave. Dave. And then go downtown, go to the coffee shop, see people there. You know, I saw three people. I, I got to do a hey, how you doing with three people in the coffee shop. Yep. It's just good for the soul. Yep. And then I get into the co-working place and then there's, you know, some people out there working that I've known for a bunch of years. And then I get to come into my little work closet and, uh, and do stuff. But it's been, it's been really key for me. I, I, I need that, that social part. Yep. That's, that's good. That's been, uh, I've been toying with not seriously, but with the idea of starting a co-working space, I live in a, kind of a quaint village um and so me and my buddy mitch we just go to we've been going to coffee shops i mean i've gone to coffee shops forever but we just started like really kind of being religious about just you know hunkering down at a coffee shop for half the day yeah um and it's great and you see yeah exactly like you said you see people you feel like you're a part of the world you feel you know just so much more engaged and alive and and you're you don't like you know how a day can wither away at home yes like it can just wither away the day well, I also just don't feel good. Uh, 
So for me, working outside of the house is like working at home. It's I can maybe get some email done, but anything that's like requires thinking yeah, or yeah. writing, mm -hmm. it's just too much. And the way we started this was we just uh, there's no profit motive. We just made a joint mm -hmm. venture, and initially it was four of us, and we're like, we can afford this space, just the four yeah. of us, and. Uh, so we just did that for years and then eventually more people started coming organically and we were really choosy about who we let come in. Right. And now uh, it's probably about 10, 15 people. Okay. Full-time, part-time. And, um, and we have kind of multiple different spaces now inside this one building. Do, do you pay somebody to clean? Yeah. Yeah, we pay someone to clean. Uh, we could probably even accelerate that. We've basically made it as automated as possible. So there's yeah. a website and there's an application form. People fill out the application form. We basically just don't even uh, respond to most people. Yep. <laughs> We're just, uh, and then uh, anyone that seems like they might be a good fit and, um, you know, we get them a trial day and then they come in and they try it out. And then if they like it, they can they can rent a part time or a full time desk. Hmm. And then uh, once we get that their first bill set up and we just do it in wave accounting. Yep. Uh, it's recurring. They send us a e-transfer and um, that's it. So sweet. Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty low maintenance. Uh, Tax time, there's a few things you have to do with a joint venture that are a pain, but yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's going to be the future of work. Yep. Because uh, the, the thing about an office is you're, you don't get to choose the people you're working with. There's all sorts of uh, politics, drama, and status games that get yep. played. And um, there's there's a hierarchy and I just remember like when I had worked in an office, I just could not stand the idea of people looking at my screen. Like you don't need to look at my screen, you know, mm -hmm. there's no, and maybe I'm, maybe I am on Facebook debating somebody, but I don't, I don't want you looking at my screen. You know, I, there's no reason for it. And so the, the thing that changed in a coworking place is we're all peers. Yep. None of us are beholden to each other. Yeah. In any way. And it's just such a better way to work. And I think once people realize it, once people get a get like an opportunity to do it, they'll be like, Oh, I do want to go back to an office. I just don't want to go back to an office with a boss and coworkers and all of that other drama, right? Yep. 100%. I just want to work with cool people and who are my equals, right? Yep. That's the big thing. That's the thing, yeah. man. Yep. Same here. I'm broken for employment. Yeah. But I think but I could go back. Is... I think I could go back and be an employee. I, they, I actually don't like that line about people saying, uh, well, I'm unemployable now. It's mm. like, well, I'm pretty sure if you needed to get a job, you could get a job. And you could go back to work and you could do it. Like, sure. 
it's not, it's not like we're, uh, and these people that say, well, I'm just not the employee type. Well, maybe you're just an asshole. <laughs> no, Justin. No, no, no. Let me tell you. I am not an asshole and I'm not the employee type. And I am broken for employment. And now that I, I have tasted the oh, world. Oh, for sure. I, I get I think, it. But I think some I, people, my defense is that, um, is that I, I'm too in tune to the hierarchies and social or, and power and competition dynamics. And it just adds such a stress load to my life. Sure. Oh, just I'm, automatically. My brain is just wired to want to like achieve and compete. Yes. And it's like, yeah. it, and I've realized that like my life did not feel okay until I left full-time employment. And then I, overnight, literally, everything mm-hmm. in my life felt great and has not stopped feeling great. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm you know? with you. I'm with you. I'm, I, 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 like, yes, you're, you're, my spirit is singing right now. I, I totally get it. But on the other hand, this is turning into a Louis C.K. bit, but maybe, <laughs> but maybe we could also just go back and work if we had to. If and, we had to. And there's also a maybe that I've never experienced, but I'm still open to. This is like, this is about, this is, this is the science, man, is that, sure, we can experience something as true, but we still have to be open to other possibilities. Sure. And one possibility could be that, for example, I, I told Adam Wathen, I said, if Transistor never worked out, I would apply to be the COO of uh, Tailwind, and I would crush it. <laughs> and I would love it, and I would, I would be working for somebody else. Yeah. And it would be complicated. There's some challenges, you know, in that business, but I would crush it. I yeah. just, or I, I would at least try to crush it. I shouldn't be too full of myself. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I could be an employee in that sense, right? Yeah, that's that doesn't count. Also, like you don't get to count being a COO as being an employee. I don't count that. <laughs> But that's the kind of employee that, you know, that that would be the next step, right? Like, uh, or I mean, I could even see, I would, if I, I can't do this because I, I have kids and it, it would make it so much more complicated. But, you know, if I didn't have kids and I'm now I'm in my 40s and somebody, a company in New York that I really liked and respected said, hey, we want you to come and do this position, it would probably yeah. have to be something executive level. I think I'd be into it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm open to the possibilities. You know, I'm I'm not good for you. I'm not open mind. I think I'm. I think we're on the same page. But I think I think you're saying you're willing to do the thing. Um, so like I, I've thought about like a dream situation for me right now is working for GitHub. GitHub sponsors. Yeah. yeah. Like I won't yeah, that- do it. But there's yes. part of me that's like, how awesome would it be if I was just, hey, can you guys hire me? And I'll work yeah. in your teams for like a year. And yeah. like make me a product manager or something for GitHub sponsors. Yeah. And I just want to work there for a year and make it everything I want it to be. Yeah. Um, and They then should leave. do that. <laughs> I don't want to do they that. They should do that. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah, but you might <laughs> want to though in the sense that... Um, I mean, the ultimate form of employment would be if 
there were no handcuffs, and if you didn't need to make money, um, if it was just like an interesting problem. Yeah, exactly. And the autonomy to do what you needed to do. Yeah. I have these fantasies all the time about Apple because once you once you work with a big company, we have to work with them for Apple Podcasts. I I just need to know because right now I do not understand how come things are so slow there mm-hmm. and uh, what you know what is what is backing up this machine yeah and I do know that you add more people and that makes things more complicated yeah but uh, and this is one reason I've been so excited about indie companies and software developers starting their own thing and you know what John and I are doing these small calm profitable companies where the the people who work there are incredible product people and not only are they incredible but they're like better than trillion dollar companies at making software and creating good user experiences etc yeah. and i so there's a mystery there i want to unravel i want to know like go in and go, oh, okay, well, yeah. they're still working on iTunes. They, they've got this old iTunes thing running in the back end and it's just effing everything up. And, you know, maybe nobody has the political will to, to just say, we've got to scrap this thing. And, yep. you know, they just keep limping along. I just want to know what's actually going on. And maybe also, I mean, the fantasy is that whether you go to GitHub or I go to Apple, you the fantasy is that we could actually make a difference. Right. You go in there and yeah, turn the ship around. Right. Yeah. Which I, yeah. I think that's a good position. I think any, you know, I mean, you, have you been a software developer in your career at any point? Not really. I feel like in I was, software, I forget your, your history. I've heard it a couple of times. So, but. Um, I was a Christian minister for the first eight years of my life, which I don't talk about very much. An eight-year-old and minister. Then, uh, and then left the religion and that. Dun, dun, dun. And then got, got lucky. I remember that's the worst is like when you're 28 and you've been doing that for eight years. Yep. <laughs> and then I was just like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I applied at uh, I applied to be a salesperson for a window and door manufacturing company where I would have had to go on like warm sales calls to p- people's houses and sell them windows and doors. Mm-hmm. And I applied at the Apple Store before they had Apple Stores, so this was like an independent Apple Store. Didn't get that job, and I was basically like sitting in my house going, "What am I going to do? I guess I'm going to take the window and door." salesperson job and a guy from a software company called me and in 2008 and asked me he knew I'd been into computers for a long time and he asked if I wanted to come work for him not really knowing what I'd do so that's what I did I started in customer support there and worked my way up to product manager uh, by the time I left there in 2014 and then I went and worked as a product manager at Sprintly in Portland for two years and then uh, have been doing my own thing since 2016. There you go. So to the the software, like being, I mean, being in any company, but 
like internalizing like a Titan. I didn't internalize a lot of like legacy code bases or anything. You know, there's a lot of greenfield mm-hmm. stuff, a lot of, you know, you're even if you're working in a, an old antiquated business, you're kind of like plopped in in a little new, you know, niche. But if you're at a product company mm-hmm. or whatever, that's, you know, been around for a while and you really, really feel the way any, any actual, any job or product team that I've been a part of after like a year, after a after six, you know, whatever, after about a year, you end up like inheriting the weight of the world, you know, mm-hmm. and you just feel like you're like, when you came in and you saw all the inefficiencies and you had all that hope and all that, whatever, mm-hmm. now you're at the point where somebody, where you like, you hold it all on your shoulders. And then when somebody yeah. else comes in and says like, we need to do this, this and this, they're probably right. And they need to say that, but you're, you're like, oh, I was that person and they're probably right. But I can't even think like that because it's all on my shoulders and so oh, yeah. i bet if we went to apple there'd be you know there'd be people with oh like there's there's people problems packs packs yeah and- but that's what that's what's exciting about it i think is to be able to empathize with somebody and speak their language and go well you know we could keep doing this and we're gonna lose yeah um if I was the Apple Music team, I've been doing. I I have my daughter doing this research project for me, which was, which was. It's basically I'm I, I'm terrified of Spotify. <laughs> Spotify okay. wants to oh, like yeah, yeah. take take over the podcast industry, yeah, and they want to become the YouTube of podcasting. I think I mean I'm biased, but I think it'll be bad for the podcast industry. Oh yeah, I think open protocols are better for creators. So RSS, even these creaky old protocols like RSS and email, which people always want to fix. And I mean, I wish we could actually uh, improve RSS. I don't think the RSS working group has actually met or done anything since, you know, for two decades. But um, anyway, I'm concerned about it. So I've got my daughter doing this research project, Gen Z and podcasts, but a lot of Spotify stuff's coming up. And the Spotify story yeah, is fascinating. I think fascinating. I saw you read or, or you posted or somebody posted. It had to be you. The mm-hmm. like the Generation Z, Gen X, you know, yes. uh, millennials and their, I don't know what it was, but there were like little bar graphs of like Spotify, your own poc- like, like pocket cast or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then, well, yeah, anyway. And it's funny because yeah. I fall, I fall right in the bar graph. You know, yeah. Me, what what are Spotify you? What, what generation are you? I'm a millennial, I think. You're a millennial, okay, yeah. Which is weird to think that you. What another thing I realized while doing this research is that uh, <laughs> Gen Z thinks that millennials are like crusty. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> they're like oh, when, millennials when and they're happen, tight yeah. jeans and you know. <laughs> That's funny. What a Gen Z. Do they wear joggers? They're like they're they're they say they're going back to '90s clothes, so like rolled okay. up jeans that are baggier and yeah. Okay. But they're being very selective about the '90s this fashion. Is very name. funny, <laughs> it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, you look at these this graph, yeah. and you know, and then you ask people, what do you what do you use for music? Spotify. Spotify. And so, see. My story is different. This is so interesting. This I think anyone who's in products and software, this is like, this is interesting because for me, mm-hmm. I was, you know, it was tape cassettes and then really most of my like tweens and teenage, it's CDs. Mm-hmm. 
And then we realized we could get music for free on Napster and LimeWire. And we did that all through college. And then Steve Jobs introduced the iTunes store kind of right when we were becoming adults. And we're like, I'm kind of done with that. You know, like you, you, you download free music when you're in college. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I've got money now. I'm going to pay for my music. So we got used to paying for tracks and it still felt like a good deal because we used to buy CDs for $20. And so getting the one track we wanted off the CD for 99 cents felt like a good deal. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got trained on. And then I remember hearing about Spotify, like it's coming, but that concept of not owning your music was so alien to me. And so I didn't switch into, until well after Apple had released Apple Music. And really? I was like, okay, well, now I'll have a blended library of the music I've bought and yep. streaming music. And now, of course, it's always interesting to see how, where the data ends up. Like so often we're so focused on what's happening now. Like here's the data point right yep. now. And it's yeah. like, well, but where is this going to end up? What's the trend? And of course now for me, uh, it's all, it's all streaming. I don't even think about my music library that I bought, you know, yeah. that's just lost money. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but for the people who are younger than me, I'm, so I'm born in 1980. Uh, I'm guessing you're behind me, right? A little bit. And it was like, for you, for you folk, well, what was the, what was the, what was the, the train for you? How was, was it the different? Same, it was the same progression, probably offset by five to 10 years. Um, okay. But I, it, you know, it was like cassettes as a kid and then it was CD players on the bus in middle school, yeah. high school, um, anti-skip, you know, later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it was... And then it was iPods and whatnot, but all the music from the iPod was from LimeWire. So, uh, yes. like, it was all, it was LimeWire heavy. Do you remember? So, you were into LimeWire? I was into Napster and LimeWire, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sorry. Do you remember, Go like, ahead. like you're searching, like, LimeWire musics and, or musics, songs, and there's, <laughs> like, uh, all the porn listings? Like, you search for, like, you, you would, you would search for, like, uh, Back in Black or something, and it would be, yeah. like, you'd have all the relevant searches, but, like, the top one would be, like, every porn, you know, keyword in yes, the title. Yes, yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the other move, that these are just LimeWare things that, I, I don't know, I just um, reminiscing about, but there's another move where the most popular, like, you're searching a popular song, and you download it, yeah. but it's just 30 seconds long, and it's, it's um, Bill Clinton saying, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> just like you just searched a song and downloaded uh, it. And you're so excited. And if you were I on country not. internet, it was worse because you had actually invested real uh, modem oh. cycles to download that stuff. Right. Yeah. It was like, ah, come on. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah. So it was LimeWire and then it was, uh, then it was iTunes, but I never bought songs on iTunes ever because I didn't have money. So I, I, I was it. not out of college. So I did not have money. Um, yes. And I was in high school. And so, so then it was torrenting. It was like Bear Share and then uh, U-Torrent or whatever. Um, and yeah. like Pirate Bay and all that and bit stuff, whatever. Anyway, torrenting whole yeah. albums. And I was like, this is fantastic. This is the best way to listen to music. This is like when I used to burn CDs from the library. It's like yeah. full yeah. albums now instead of just this one-off LimeWire tracks. Um, yeah. and, then, and then I was like super early adopter of Spotify. It came out and I was like, this is it, done, let's do it, over. I but never... what made you switch? You were just fed up with the... 
you were fed up with the other stuff. I just couldn't believe it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, this is incredible. I get all the music mm. in the world for one yes. price, a small price. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is nuts. And it's all album centric, which was yeah. huge. And so I, I was in immediately and never and stopped. perfectly timed for you because when you were coming of age with money, you yeah, know, like that's kind of the key. Like when I was coming of age with money, money, it was iTunes downloads. Yeah. And even like I can remember, you know, we, we would buy TV shows off iTunes. Like we yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, right. I think I did expensive. that once for something like I had, I could only get on iTunes. I was like, what is this? So stupid. <laughs> that was the way we used to watch TV. And we, I was like, this is better because there's no commercials. I get to choose what I want to watch. Um, and then, you know, now we're in, in where we are now. Like, he, like Netflix at first, I was like, ah, I mean, okay. But, you know, like I can still buy the show and have it and own it. And why would I want man. this other thing? Never bought but, and owned a show. My wife has like... You know all the seasons of Friends and all the seasons of all you know all the shows that she liked, which is crazy to me. Uh, on DVD? Yeah, on DVD. On DVD, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I find all that fascinating, and uh, yeah, I in, in my case with Transistor, I just can't deny the truth of what's happening. So I, mm. I'm trying to force myself into reckoning with what's happening. And I just have some interesting questions too. Like, what we don't know is so my daughter is 18, still a college age. What we don't know is what happens when they grow up. Like, what happens when they turn 25 and get a company email and now they have to commute into the city? And what do they do then? You know, and um, will they just keep listening to this? podcast on spotify or will they the, i'm it's, it's i'm probably an interesting data point because i when you know i was all in on spotify forever mm-hmm. but i don't even think of them when i think of podcasting the only thing i ever listen to on spotify is joe rogan yes and and it's like a, oh because i have to so i really don't even listen to joe rogan that much anymore unless i like see a clip on youtube and like oh they went on like oh, i'll have to go listen to that but yeah it's still pocket yeah. casts all day for me um, cause I'm on Android. Otherwise it would be whatever the popular one is that everybody uses on. Yeah. 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 Whatever, you're, and, and, and you're a different, like you, it's reflected in the data, right? Like millennials, yeah. if you look at them in that, in this, in this, uh, survey that my daughter did, uh, millennials for podcasts, uh, a lot of them are on Spotify, but a lot of them are on Apple podcasts. A lot of them are on pocket casts, pocket casts, biggest uh, group is millennials. There you go. Is it even so, like is no plans to merge on Spotify? Is this how podcasting works? It I don't know be. anything about podcasting. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to submit <laughs> it, it, is. it se- is on Spotify. separately. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like my podcast and probably the other one. I mean, I host them with Transistor, so they're probably both on Spotify. Which is yeah, nice. it's you have to what? submit it. Like we have a page where you just go down and you just click submit to Spotify, submit here, yeah. submit here, submit here. Right. Um, so if you've done that, we will submit it on so your behalf. Spotify doesn't threaten your business model in any way, right? 
because they you're do, for publishers. It, yeah, but they do because they're trying to own the whole stack. So okay. they've they've purchased Anchor. Okay. They've purchased Megaphone, which is another podcast hosting provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to own it end to end, which is what you would. I mean, if I was Daniel Eck, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think he fully understands how evil. This is funny because he's the good guy. Like Spotify, they're the good guys, you know? Are they? I thought they were the good guys. That's how you see them? I, I mean, I think a lot of artists don't think they are. I think you're right there. I mean, in that sense, they're the bad guys. And maybe the the reason I say they're the good guys, well, two reasons. Like when at the time that they came out, to me, it was like, it was like we're already doing this anyway. This is a way yeah. to pay people for it. Like, This was like an acknowledgement that like, we're not going back to the way things were. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So this is like a company that gets it and is making it work, which is really cool. And then... Of course, the the thing you then have to ask is, does the rhetoric match up with what happened? What do you mean? So 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 the promise was that they were going to pay artists for it. It was going to be better for artists. And I... What do you think? Has it been no? I don't think it's. Artists? I pro- definitely no, definitely not. But I, I think it it's, was like a force of the universe, like it was just happening, you know. So this is yeah. this is some serious uh, rationalization or or whatever. But um, but and, I, and the other reason I say that they're the good guys is the recent, you know, their thing, their whole the whole letter they did to Apple, um, yeah. about their app and you know the same stuff that DHH has been like screaming about. Um, yeah, yeah. Know, I mean, so. you got to I, I think. But you're right. If you think about it for Apple's- a minute. They're not, they're not in any way like noble or, um, yeah. Well, and you end up cheering for, I think one thing we actually don't talk about very much is how do indies fit into all of this? Because, so for Transistor as a small little independent company, mm-hmm. but this applies to you, this applies to everybody. Um, Every successful indie I know has had to do arbitrage on bigger systems like Twitter, Google Search, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. You always have to do arbitrage to build an audience, to get distribution, whatever. And so I can't be completely um, anti-megacorp in a sense. Hmm. Because so far the way things work is you need to ha- you need to do arbitrage on these places, yep. and in a sense you end up supporting them for different things. Like right now, Apple supports. I mean, they're they're doing their damnedest to make it complicated, but they support the open protocol RSS, um, and so I'm cheering for them. I want them to be better. I'm hmm. sending notes to their product team going. Guys, you got to look at what's happening on our side. People are one click submitting to Spotify and it's there and it takes five to eight days to approve on Apple and you got to have an Apple ID. And if you're on a Windows machine and you've never signed up for an Apple ID, it's just a a hellscape all the way down. Yep. So I'm cheering for them in that sense. But in terms of like antitrust stuff, Mm. uh, you know, I'm I'm cheering for Spotify. Uh, I, I think we should all still have a healthy dose of skepticism and uh and you know care we need to hold these things these these 
our relationships to these companies with some care for sure because ultimately um you know there's 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 the they just have the potential to do so much harm just because of the the size right like spotify changed how the economics of music work and if we want to see more indie creators more indie makers I don't know what the what what the future is, but and it's probably going to involve some sort of arbitrage. But I also want to think that there's got to be maybe alternatives. Like, do we need to have? Does something like Twitter have to be owned by a big public corporation, or could it have been a public utility? Could it have been built on an open protocol that you know? Could we make that work again in the same way we did with email and RSS? and icq and you know uh, some of these other things that were were more open and uh, yeah, that's pretty wild i don't know it's, well i like asking that question because it feels like we've abandoned it yep but but every independent creator these days the, the new hotness is they're they're switching from youtube to email newsletters hmm. and the reason is because open protocols are good for creators. It's good that nobody owns email. It makes it messier. It's good that nobody owns RSS. Makes it messier. It's Even, like is it though is the openness the reason that a YouTube creator would switch to an email newsletter? Or is yeah. it the the direct ownership like like a I'm thinking of a a YouTuber that I I really dig, huge huge fly fisherman reason into fly okay. fishing or not he's a rock solid guy yeah um huge fly fisherman he just started uh he's putting all of his content on a different site i forget the name of the site and he puts extra content there i mean kind of like a patreon thing but people who mm -hmm. like go there like he, he he's basically like kind of waking up to how much more money mm -hmm. he could make if yes. if he just had like a direct line to you know, I mean, the same way that you could draw this a lot of the same parallels to GitHub and open source in general, to open mm -hmm. source in general, how like, you know, if you want to be uh, a software producer, um, there's not a lot of money in it anymore because open source is where it's all going down. It's actually like pretty meta because in this case, it is the more open uh, <laughs> platform. But yeah, uh, but, you know, where soft software going open source. Well, if you know, if you compare it to like um, music artists and whatnot, where like before you made money off album sales. Now with Spotify, you're making pennies on listens. You don't care. You got to make money mm -hmm. on other platforms and other ways, other channels. Same thing with like yeah. an open source developer. Like I'm not going to make money selling, you know, um, Liveware 2.0 discs. Uh, yes. So it's just open source. I got to make money on something else and, you know, yeah. on education and these these other things. And I think for artists, it's going to be the same way. You got to make money on. And isn't, but it, and isn't GitHub sponsors huge for you? Like, isn't that a majority of your income? It is huge, but it's, it's really... Um, it's more so um, like there's a good amount. I won't say 100% of my GitHub sponsorship is this way, but the majority of it, it's almost just like a payment gateway, you know, for like screencasts and code like that I'm okay. providing. So it's not Got it's it. not like just enough people are like, oh, like I really like the software. I'm just going to pay Caleb and then that's my salary. Like it's, it's more it. like I really like the software. Okay. I want to pay Caleb and I really want access to these things. So here you go. Okay. You know. So do you feel like, is there some pressure to stay on a treadmill? On the content treadmill? Not as much, actually, because I get to lean into the goodwillness of like, yeah, you're paying for this, but you're also paying for the work that I'm doing every day on Livewire. 
you know so yeah. i think there's less of the content treadmill expectation but there totally is and i have lots there's lots of people who treat it very much like just like lara casts i'm like live wire casts yeah that's honestly that's where you know that's the best way of summarizing my business and income is live wire casts essentially is, is live wire still the primary uh driver big time yep oh, okay oh weird even though See, alpine my is like would have, it have been alpine reach. you would think that it's bizarre and i've observed this and i'm like kind of trying to figure out why it is that way but mm -hmm. the live wire audience is so much more present and dedicated in every single way um, and hungry for everything where alpine is just not that way there's more people there's more stars on github there's more blog posts being written about it way more exposure in different ecosystems more podcasts everything but hmm. but people who use alpine they like it it's fun it's great they use it as their little javascript framework tool but who use livewire are like this is my thing like i love livewire wow. it's my religion you know <laughs> it, it, so and what is it uh are they using it for work yeah is it yeah yeah in their apps um, yeah at, at work okay okay yeah. see the my 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 baseline theory about what has driven a lot of um demand in the software development market is especially whether people are selling courses or UI uh, components like Atom is yep. or uh, Forge or sure. whatever it is. Yep. The, or even the underlying um, frameworks that support those things. So whether you're, you're buying into Laravel, Tail, what, what are you hiring these things to do in your life? Mm -hmm. Like what, what jobs are these doing in your life? Yeah. What's always been interesting about software development is that there is a, a, there is an economic incentive for people to want to get better, for people to have better tools, yeah, yeah. for people to have more things in their tool belt. And, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as Adam was like talking to me about like, you know, I was the one pushing him. Cause I'm like, dude, like you got to have some components. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like bugging you and Steve all the time to give me a little code snippet so I can, put stuff like just give me a pricing table you know give me yeah and uh there to me i mean i didn't know for sure it was going to go bananas but i had i was like 90 percent sure yeah that if he released that it was going to go <laughs> bananas because there's an economic incentive there it's yeah. like i got to get this pricing table in here and i don't want to do all that work yep <laughs> that's that's the worst work ever so there's an economic incentive um, a tangent we can go down or not. Um, the next product I'm working on, I like broke ground yesterday, um, oh. partnering up with Jason Beggs is Alpine component patterns. Um, okay. I'm going to attempt a monetization thing on Alpine and it's basically, you know, I mean, it's what you would expect. Um, but I'm literally like before this call, I'm writing down like new copy for the landing page and, and exactly the things you're saying. I'm, I'm like, am I taking the angle of, of like, um, you know, like start, like you're basically buying time <laughs> or don't waste your time, time and expertise yes. dot off the shelf. Yes. Yes. Like okay, buying productivity off the shelf. Like, and I'm actually not going to yeah. take that angle. I don't think, but I wrote down a ton of taglines along that line, along those lines of like, like, yeah, you could do this yourself. And if your time is money, 
you should just buy this mm-hmm. off the shelf. You're gonna, like, I'm giving you a lot of time. You can buy time, basically. Yes, yes. Okay, let's let's talk about this because I I was actually surprised when in this tweet thread you asked me how how can you tell? Yeah, something and I, has. I, we we need to talk about that. <laughs> I the, so let's so let's just see. Okay, so yeah. the tweet is. Too many indie entrepreneurs are building things that people don't want. Yep. As an indie, you don't have the time or money to create demand. Mm-hmm. You look for opportunities where people are already in motion. What are people already searching for and buying? Build for that. Um, and what was curious to me about what's a good ways for to find what people are searching for and buying is, in a sense, I was like, Caleb, you've already figured this out. Like you, 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 you've got an exam, you know, like in my head, I'm like, you did it, dude. Like you, you, um, created something where that, where there was pent up demand for that thing Yeah, and you got to see how it went. So maybe talk to me a little bit about like what, what's. So, yeah. So, I mean, you, so I, I follow you, followed you for a while. I love your content and the big the big thing that I've the big lesson I've taken from you, you know, like everybody's got their thing. Mm-hmm. Good on you for being for like I think you could ask anybody who follows Justin Jackson be like, what's what's his thing? Like what's the lesson thing? And it would be that mar- like markets determine like don't don't exa- I mean I would be reiterating this tweet because you've said it a thousand times in a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. And every time I appreciate it. Um, that basically, cause I think, I think that is everybody's gut reaction is building something novel. Um, and there's, there's this idea that to build anything successful, you have to, uh, you say create demand, but, but that's like, like, like what you would think when you're in that headspace would be like, Mm -hmm. well, the other thing already exists. Like I need to be unique. I need to offer something unique. And that's how, yes. because that the, all the success stories that are are told are are stories of innovation, stories of yeah. people doing things different and whatever. And you want to be the, yeah, that that thing, and and not have not have competition. You know, be yes. in, be in a space where you you're the first one there. There's no competition. You make the yes. thing. You create the thing. You create the demand. Yes. You, you know, that's all. This is all the stuff that I think is yeah if you don't start with it you're exposed to it, it early and it makes like intuitive sense and that's that's what you think yes because and and just to pause there i think this is a fundamental misunderstanding or myth that we've developed in our culture where we forget that almost everything is iterative knowledge is iterative. So Einstein didn't just like wake up one day with E equals MC squared. That's iterative. It was based on a layer underneath and things underneath and like decades or hundreds of years For sure. of, yeah. of stuff. And even um, it's, it's almost unfortunate how much Steve Jobs got deified because people had this idea that he was just pulling out product ideas yeah, yeah. out of his head. They, people call him a product person. You know, he's he's just pulling these things out. When what I've tried to argue is that he was actually just really good 
at noticing momentum hmm. and then seeing the opportunities to improve on it. Yep. Before the iPhone, BlackBerry was a massive business. Smartphones in general were a massive business. Nokia, um, BlackBerry, at the time, were killing it. They had, they had, uh, you know, um, built these businesses based on this idea that people wanted to answer email on their phone and then eventually other things too. They wanted maps on their phone. They Things that made sense. We already had Tom, 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 GPS and that, you know, all of the evidence was there. The momentum was there. Yep. And that momentum, by the way, was based on previous things, previous trends. Uh, so, you know, as soon as we had flip phones, People were asking, I wonder if I could put a camera in here. And as soon as we had a camera in there, even though the camera was shitty, people were willing to take photos on their flip phones. Yeah. Um, so this is all existing momentum. And it, almost in retrospect, it's like, it's like, of course Steve Jobs noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> of course Steve Jobs looked at that and said, wait a second. And then he's looking at this iPod uh, iPod video that he's got in his hand. He's like, what if I just put these to together? Like it's the same form factor. Yeah. I've got this iPod here that's in everybody's pocket and I've got this phone that's in everybody's pocket. Sure. People have one thing in their right pocket and one thing in their left pocket. We could just put it in one pocket, yeah. you know? It's not that big of a jump for a product person who's attuned to a market. And I, so when people... I, if I, I wish I could show you my DMs because it would become clear. People DM me, hey, I've got this idea and here's a video. And before I even watch the video or whatever, I'll just say, how do you know people want this? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. evidence do you have that people are searching for this? So what evidence did Steve Jobs have? Well, there's millions of people with a flip phone in one pocket and an iPod in another pocket and maybe a point and shoot camera in their back pocket. That's like, that's, you know, that yep. was the kit. Totally. He's like, so he goes to the board and the board says, Steve, I don't know if we can approve this research project. And Steve goes, well, think about this. There's millions of these devices in everybody's pocket right now. Every day people wake up and go buy a new Nokia flip phone. And every day people wake up and go buy a new iPod. And every day people are buying point and shoot cameras. Why don't we just own all of those categories? Right? And so uh, it's, it's evidence of demand, especially for indies that don't have money. And the other problem is that a lot of people luck into this. And God bless them. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, when I interviewed Taylor Otwell, he had no idea what he was doing from a business perspective. Yeah. He, he lucked into it in a sense. He was, he was trying to create Laravel to build an invoicing app. Invoicing app didn't work out, by the way. But we can still look at what was happening there and we can see, you know, why it worked, yep. right? You've got millions of PHP developers. Ruby on Rails is the new hotness. PHP is considered a joke and uh, a lame language and the, the developers who are stuck in it, lame, you know, it, there's just, there's this weight. For sure. And they were looking for something better. By they, you mean me. 
Like I, and, I fit yeah, right into and, that story. And I, my brother-in-law, right in my brother-in-law, story. my brother-in-law is a construction worker. Uh, he immigrated to Canada from Mexico 10 years ago or something. He wants a better life. He's been teaching himself programming. At one point he taught himself iOS development. Now he's like, oh, web development. I should get into that. And he goes, ah, the only thing I have experience with is PHP. I wonder if there's a better way to write PHP. PHP, better way to write PHP, PHP framework. And I'm hanging out with him. He's like, oh, let me show you this app I built. No way. Oh, I said, what did you build it in? Laravel. Seriously. So it it has the momentum. How do we know people want Laravel? Well, because I run into people all the time who just found it, searched for it. They were searching for it. They got up one day and they said, uh, what is the best way to write PHP? What is a good PHP framework? What's the Ruby on Rails of PHP? Yeah, yeah. You know, all of these kind of queries. And that's the momentum that drives the Laravel ecosystem. And Taylor's done a ton of other things well that, that made that, uh, you know, that have helped. But, and, and he had this great population. There's more PHP developers probably than any other language in the world, arguably. Um, it's just, yeah, there's a lot. it's been around forever. This is, this uh, is what I'm learning with, with Livewire. Um, a lot of these lessons stumbling into some of the same things. I was talking yeah. with David Hemphill the other day about, what were we yeah. talking about? I don't know. We're basically like, we're both like, Livewire is the working man's framework or woman's, the worker's framework. Mm-hmm. It is the laborer class framework. Like inertia isn't, you can't really compare the two per se because it's not a framework. It's like an adapter for people who use Vue and React. But like yeah, that, like you just using Vue and React on your front and even with inertia assumes a certain level of something. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, I, I followed that path but then came back here. So I'm not saying that like, you know, Livewire is halfway to inertia or anything, but... But I think for a lot of people, it's like Livewire is for people who have to get the job done and don't yes. want to fiddle around with JavaScript frameworks all day, every day for the rest of their career. Like they're trying to get the job done. And so the the communities are so much different. Like if I'm comparing the inertia community to like the Livewire community, it's just, I don't know. We, we, we were just joking. Like the people, like just the contributor community, the everybody in the community it's much more laborer class it's like it's not mm-hmm. you're not getting <laughs> now that i'm saying this publicly i don't want to insult like anybody from the liveware community but you know what i'm saying i'll just leave it at that that it's anyway that it's something that i didn't even no, realize but with that it has this huge momentum and this huge mm-hmm. pool of people because there's like the silent majority of people who are just like they're not even like on twitter that much or at all mm-hmm. they just like work jobs because they need to yep. do jobs and they're programmers at jobs and they're using yes. a tool and then they find something else because they google something or they hear about it through some little crack and then they go you're like oh this is odd. like that's how i found laravel i wasn't on twitter i didn't know taylor Otwell. i googled mm-hmm. a code igniter alternative <laughs> and then it was yes. like everybody was like laravel i'm like oh gotta learn that but yes anyway taylor Otwell wouldn't have found taylor Otwell. <laughs> Taylor Otwell was was a nobody in a small apartment yeah. with a cheap computer. That this is the beauty of it is that when you when you when you understand that there's real human beings out there. I mean the 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 Twitter community and the the actual like uh 
like that part's amazing. Once you do get into that, that's a whole other level. But for most people, most people start out as, you know, a former evangelical minister looking for a job and a a construction worker looking to get out of construction and a WordPress developer who's really, you know, been with the same place for 10 years and they don't treat him that well and they only pay him 60 grand a year and he's just trying to figure out a better life. And so the understanding all that human nuance and understanding that products, digital products are about volume. You can't just have an esoteric few yeah. that are searching for this. This is, this is not the time to get precious or to get super fancy. Yep. You, want the, you want a group of people that is highly motivated, that is large in size, and that is in motion in predictable ways. Tangent and, that will come right back to this. I was talking with Adam Wathen yeah. about um, monetizing Alpine quite a while ago, and I'm pitching him my yeah. grand idea. Get this, you're gonna you're yeah. gonna laugh. Like, I was so pumped about V3 at the time and all the tech behind and everything. Like, if I mm-hmm. did a course building Alpine V3 from scratch, where we build the entire thing, mm-hmm. and along the way, you will learn so much about Alpine and JavaScript. It will like change your life. And he's like, dude, nobody's going to buy that. He's like, if Evan Yu, he's like, you might get, you know, the 10 people who contribute to library. He's like, if Evan Yu made a course about how to build Vue 3 from scratch and also a course about, and also like a, a becoming a Vue 3 master component course or whatever, like, which one are you going to buy? Yeah. Which one is everybody going to buy? Yeah. It's like, don't be an idiot. Yeah. And it was just this like, yeah. he like shook me and I was like, oh my gosh. You know? Yes. So, anyway. Because it is hard to see this stuff. It's hard to... So it's crazy how it, obvious it is in hindsight, but it is so hard to see. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, I'm um, you know, I'm susceptible to the same kind of stuff. Because you want to work I on the things at, that are most interesting to you. And the things you want to work on the things that are most interesting to you, but also, um, I'm just looking at. I did a quick search in projects that utilize LiveWire. I often find myself like, even I just have to read the first sentence, and I can just tell like this guy's just trying to solve problems. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, like he's just got a job to do, and he's just looking for something that makes his job better, that makes it more enjoyable to write code. That has. There is a quasi-religious part of it. Like, I want to be excited about the tribe I'm in. I want to be excited about the team I'm on. But uh, so much of it is just, I've got a job to do. And Exactly. You know, that's that's a, and, a huge part of it. I have a, that is, and that's, yeah. And so I feel like I've internalized. So I've internalized this lesson because of seeing the difference in reception between. And, and by the way, just, just before we go too far, yeah. these kind of replies... These to me are the gold for copywriting. Now, I'm not sure if this is true. Dude, I've never looked at LiveWire Reddit or even Laravel Reddit. I've never even looked at any I, you of this gotta. stuff once. And I Googled use LiveWire. Yeah. Uh, I searched use LiveWire. Is this true? If you need to make a request to the server, use LiveWire. If not, don't. LiveWire is a replacement for traditional Ajax requests. Yeah, that is my belief. See, if I was making a... If I was making a, a homepage, I would, <laughs> I would literally just like copy this <laughs> and then make that my headline. Like, 
or make that part of the copy because it's just it's showing people this is what it's for like we don't have to get precious about yeah um too much here it's like you got a job to do you're sabino diaz my brother-in-law trying to trying to build a web app for your construction company let's not get precious let's just help you do your job and help you eventually achieve these dreams see that's the thing is there's also these meta reasons people hire products right there's the like so many people are buying tailwind aspirationally sure yeah i gotta buy these ui components because i can use it for something this could be my path yeah out of the doldrums <laughs> of my life yeah and it's great that's i've bought so many products like that definitely that, half the books on my you know, bookshelf how yeah, books on my bookshelf, but also that helped me build a website that helped me feel good, that helped me develop some skills that got me noticed, right? So Justin Jackson, here's the thing. Yes. I, I feel like I've learned, I, you, so first, I believe what you say is true. Although yeah. I wanted to throw one thing in earlier. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but you know, you watch Shark Tank? I, a little bit, yeah. Super fun show. And yeah. When people come in and they say, I have the, it's like, there's actually a lot of the opposite of this advice. They're like, I have the egg cracker 2000 and everybody's going to, and then, and then they think they're like, so the egg cracker market currently has uh, one uh, yeah, this trillion is yeah. people. And if egg cracker 3.0, which is like so much better could tap into 0.1% mm-hmm. of that at this price. You can't lose yeah. money. You're, you can't lose your money. Like we're going to make a ton of money. Yeah. And as soon as they say the market is this big and we can capture this small percentage of it, all the sharks go, nope, nope, stop, stop. <laughs> Get off. <Yes. laughs> like say no more. That means nothing. Um, yes, yes. So that, that popped yeah, into so, my head when we were talking. Yeah, no, that's great. And by the way, I, none of my, the stuff... I'm saying is infallible. Mm-hmm. My my hope by saying things and having is that people will push back and that we will reach a new apex of knowledge when 100%. it comes to all this stuff. Yeah. So I'm 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 trying not to be too much of a preacher, even though that is my background. The the <laughs> the other to I'm, flesh out the the contrarian point, like especially anything in like the food, you know, like these markets that are crazy competitive like if you come on mm-hmm. shark tank and you're gonna pitch like a drink they're gonna laugh you out of the room yeah. they're like no way yes now and and we we have to look at all of these things you know this is why having a discussion about something is challenging because uh for example the the characteristics of the consumer market are very different um, the consumer market is is challenging. It has its own dynamics. It has its own um, things. It has its own ways that products typically succeed. Yep. And it, some of that's been upended a little bit by things like Kickstarter. But the the rules, I mean, you can see, look at any consumer brand. What are they doing? They're spending a ton of money on advertising, yeah. on branding. Distribution channels on are pre-locked Distribution, in like, on shelf space. Yeah, exactly, all that on stuff. starting yeah. their own stores. It's why it's actually very difficult to start a consumer brand as an indie. Hmm. 
It's actually it's why most of those Shark Tank and in Canada it's called Dragon's Den. Seriously, um, that sounds like yeah. uh, Mr. Fabulous like a, or what? Like an adult sex toy store. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon's Den. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Fabulous or, or Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Wonderful is from Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, okay. he was originally and on Dragon's Den. Funny, Robert is also from Canada. I think at least he has a Canadian. Yes, accent. yeah, and and the two most non-Canadian, un-Canadian people in the world are on that that's show. That's really funny. Mr. Uh, Wonderful is not Canadian by by traits. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> by temperament. He does not have the no, Canadian no, temperament. No, not at all. Um, and Mr. Wonderful, by the way, look up his... The, this, uh, when, if we're going to, uh, you know, like hero worship, like look up that guy's history. He's... <laughs> he, the way he made his money is uh, interesting. Interesting. But, I'll have, I feel uh, like I have and I, I came... Like... So he used to sell, remember you used to go into drugstores and you would see CD-ROMs for sale, like shit CD-ROMs. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, a shelf of like, like, like there's Learning Rabbit, yeah, yeah. but then they would be, but there's, there was like cheaper versions yeah, of it yeah. and they would just put tons of shareware on a yeah, s- oh, bunch yeah. of CDs and sell it. That's how he made his initial money. Okay. And then he convinced Mattel to buy his company for a lot of money. And it's gone down in history as the worst takeover acquisition ever. Wow. <laughs> like basically Mattel bought it and then did not realize that it was a terrible company with terrible products and Funny. really no, uh, I mean, yeah, almost sh- tanked Mattel. They're, you know, the, the pedigree of some of the sharks, like I, I'm into the show and I'm into the sharks and I actually love Mr. Wonderful. Um, yeah. but uh who's the, the girl, I can't think of her name, but she, you know, she's like a QVC. It's just funny that. Like I'm watching something that like she doesn't care about quality or heart or anything. You know, she cares. It's mm-hmm. QVC crap. She's selling to old people who sh- are wait- who shouldn't be spending their money. Like, you know, the lady who lives across the street from my parents, she's just like a shopaholic mm-hmm. on QVC and, yes. and it's, she's, yeah. she has no money. It's like all her social security checks go to QVC um, and they market to people well, like that. And so. Here's the other thing is that the, the challenge with a show like that is, um, if you truly knew your market, uh, you would not care what they had to say. Because what do they know? About your, yeah. I mean, they, what do they the know? The thing that they know, what? the thing, right. The things that they know are generics um, and, and a little just, bit about they, each industry. But like the thing that I, I think is actually fun about watching the show is you come away with, an, you know how, you know how like, like if you became... Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not into sports at all. And I'm surrounded by people who are. Yeah. So I hear, like, sports metrics. And I don't know. I don't have any bearing for those numbers, you know? But if you tell me, yes. like, if you tell me, I'm not even a car guy, but I'm just throwing this one out there. If you tell me, like, the amount. Mm-hmm. Here's a better one because I am into fishing. Cubic feet per second yeah. in a stream. If you tell me yes. the flow rate of a stream, I have an intuition for it. I can understand what that means relative to other things. In the same yeah. way, you can just watch the show and by osmosis, you can absorb like what a reasonable margin is on a product, like a reasonable profit margin. Mm-hmm. And I think the intuition for most people is that, wait, wait, you, it costs you 40% or 30% of what, or even less of what you sell that product for? What? Mm-hmm. And that's like minimum mm-hmm. to be a yeah. successful product? Anyway, so th- those are the things that yeah. I think that the people going on who don't have any, you know, they haven't been burned, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't learn those things um on the field or through an mba and you know sharks can tell that yeah. and teach the the public that yeah yeah and, and it's often consumer products which yeah, are just very sure. very difficult 
They're they're so yeah, so for difficult. all the reasons you mentioned. Yeah. The the markets that are better for indies are prosumer and B2B. Mm. And those are both still very big um categories and uh, prosumer is better when it's software. Everything's better if it's software. Yeah. If you're selling software, it's just everything is better. Yep. Because you don't it's have to worry efficient. about inventory. Yeah. You don't have to worry about manufacturing. Your margins, if you're doing it right, are very, very good. Yep. Um, Dude, these like are like the laws retail of business. Stores. These are the things that like, I just want to like grab like a 15 year old and just mm -hmm. tell him like, hey, here's the secrets that you may find or you may not. But yes. here is how like these are or, these are huge levers that you can pull. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or go back in time and tell a twenty one year old Justin Jackson in two thousand one not to start two snowboard shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it is great. Like I, I have so many in so many ways other ventures seem so much more appealing and satisfying, like opening like I don't know, like a fly shop in my neighborhood or something like that. But I'm like, mm -hmm. it would only have to be a purely a labor of love, like almost a nonprofit because I can't yeah. reconcile like with what I know about making money on the internet with that. Mm -hmm. Like the inefficiencies in that are just like, like I, that's insane. So to your point, yes. software, yes. B2B, prosumer, some of those, some of those keys to turn is like, oh my Yes. Now let's get let's get back to this idea that you brought up because this is such a great is that people assume I'm talking about just choose a big market. The egg cracking market yeah. is three billion people a year. Um, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about it, it uh, talking about the egg the the egg cracking market is three billion a year is kind of like I'm gonna try to break I'm gonna try to do a fishing metaphor. Great. But it's kind of like saying. Well, there's there's probably three billion fish in the world, and you know how come I can't catch any? Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, if you're gonna catch some fish, you gotta go where the fish are. Mm -hmm. You gotta learn those waters. You gotta learn some fundamentals yep. about the the activity, and you probably need to spend a lot of time in the water and a lot of time in the right water. Yep. So you know, if I was gonna learn. I already know for fly fishing that this is going to be, you know, I, I was hearing you and Daniel talk about it. Like, the, you know, here's the equipment you're going to need and here's all these things. And you, and I know already this is a project, <laughs> right? This is a project. Yeah. This is going to be have to be me. Not only am I going to need to get some equipment. Yeah. Not only am I going to need to learn some basics. Like I'm going to need to know how to cast and all those things. And that just gets me in some water. Yeah. And then when I'm in some water, I've got to learn what, where are the fish? Yeah. How do you spot the fish? Mm -hmm. Where do you go to water where there's more fish? And uh, what are techniques to catch more fish? Like you said something the other day, which was like, you're fishing down the river, which means you're like moving or something. Is that right? Uh, yeah. As you're... We're going to fish down the river? Yeah. Um, yeah. You gen I mean, you sort of generally try to, you mean like as you fish, like you walk like throughout the day or you're saying like you it, let it, it drift was, yeah i think you were saying like because he was going to be on a raft and you're like if you're moving oh gotcha yeah yeah totally yeah if you're float fishing the, the, you're going to catch more fish yeah, you're just diversifying big time you know i didn't even think about that like to me it's like no the water's like the water's already flowing why can't i just stay in one spot ah, right you right, know yeah what 
Why can't I? Hmm. And um, and you're talking about fish psychology. Like eventually they see something's not Just right with the lure, it, and yeah. the, and they're like, what? So it's the same thing with any business. Now, if you were truly interested in the egg cracking market, it's not enough to just go, well, how many egg crackers are there? And you look it up on the internet and like, whoa, three billion egg crackers. That's not enough. You've got to go and spend some time with some egg crackers. What's really happening there? Hey, I noticed you just cracked a few eggs in that pan. Have you ever thought about doing that differently? Uh, no. Oh. And then you you ask a hundred more people that question. Hey, I just noticed you cracked... Some eggs in that pan. <laughs> and have you ever thought about doing that differently? Uh, maybe. Well, have you ever like searched for a solution on the internet? Uh, no. Well, you've got your evidence right there. There's no momentum. Sure, people yeah, are cracking right, eggs, right, right, right. but they're completely satisfied. They're leaving eggs, the shell, little eggs. Like shell pieces in their omelets, and they're not looking up a better way. It, it's not a big enough deal. Yeah. Momentum, the way I talk about it, is people who have shown, there's evidence that people are getting up and doing something about it. And when I listen, eventually you'll get an ear for this. But let's go back to your conversation with Daniel. Daniel wants to hang out with you. He wants to fly, see you guys. And you bring up this idea, why don't we go fishing? All of a sudden, Daniel is highly incentivized to a point to get some basic gear for this trip. Sure. Why? Because he wants to hang out with you. He wants to have an experience with you. That, what was the trigger there? What caused the pull? Well, what caused the pull was a friend. Social dynamics are huge. A friend says, hey, I want to do this. And why don't you come and do this with me instantly? You know, I don't like fishing, but I love hanging out. So even, even me, I'd be like, don't you live in like the most fishing, prized but... fly fishing country ever? Like, don't yeah, you live I mean, in Alberta? I probably, yeah, British, Brit- uh, British Columbia. Okay. We probably have quite a bit of fly fishing here too. I'm from Alberta though. Yeah. I have a buddy from Alberta and he was a fly guide and it's like the most, you know, whatever. It's a Mecca. A lot of dudes, a lot of dudes like fishing and hunting, but, but you can see the momentum there. Yeah. So Daniel, what, what, what caused you to think about buying uh uh, you know, a paddleboard for the first time mm-hmm. for fishing. Well, I, you know, that's what created the dynamic. And these are the things you want to be noticing and observing evidence that people are doing something about it, that there's some sort of pull, that there's some sort of trigger that people trip over and all of a sudden they're in, yeah. right? Like, uh, what's the, you know, there's certain things that happen, like my, my brother-in-law wants to build a web app, and so he trips over the the Laravel tripwire, and then he's in. Yeah, it was motivated by something. He moves, and then you know it, it happens. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for evidence that people are doing something about this thing. And it's even better if it's already an established category, like. Uh, design components have been around for a long time. There's a big bootstrap marketplace for them. People are already in motion. Everyday people wake up, buy, go to bootstrap.com and buy components, go to invado.com and buy components. You know, they're Googling components and they're like, it's already happening. And so you're just in an existing category and you can come along and you can just slice off some of that existing momentum 
for yourself. Yep. So that that's I think the 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 nuance around people go, well, the CRM market's huge, so maybe I should go after it. And I go, well, it depends. It depends on who you're going after, what you're planning on doing, what you've observed that um, you think makes it worth going after. Like, I don't have all the answers. You should be the expert on this particular category or this particular market. Um, if, if, if you've noticed something that you think other people are missing and there's, there is demand, like there's evidence that people are searching for these solutions, then hell yeah, go for it. And don't tell me about it or maybe I'll steal it. You know, like yeah. that's, that's the whole point. So the thing that, here's the key. So, so to get bird's eye view, you, you, you tweet this thing that's along the same lines of what you tweet a lot. I'm already, I'm already on board yes. with this thing. I'm like, this makes mm -hmm. so much sense. Another, um, a data point on that is Saw Sawhill, uh, you know, the Gumroad guy. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. his whole, you know, recent thing trying to whatever, right, fundraise for Gumroad and like, you know, yes. his, the, the trajectory of Gumroad, the super high growth and then the big flop, the belly flop and and so his whole thing yeah. is at least from if if from his mouth, you know, he would say like, well, actually growth is basically like, you know, the market is your container for growth and so Yes. Uh Gumroad he, will and the, grow when he them. articulated it like that, I had been thinking about this and writing about it. But when he articulated it, it created a perfect that that was like I, I was so glad that he was able to articulate mm. it that way because it really does uh, I think articulate it well. Yeah. The market you're in will determine most of your right. growth. Yeah, super uh, super interesting. So on yes. so another data point there. Totally on board. The reason I replied to your tweet like that. And by the way, so you, mm. I mean, you messaged me, what I was expecting was for you to, to tweet a response. Like I was actually just yeah. honestly asking because I, knowing that like, knowing that I've sort of done this, I could see how it, it's not a, just a rando being like, well, yeah, but how do you do this? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what does he mean? Because he, he seems to have done this. Um, but yes. anyway, so I, but I was genuinely asking a question that I actually want to know. And here, here's yes. why. I lucked into what I have basically like I I followed I followed you know like I followed lots of signal you know I I mm -hmm. made a lot of the right decisions I had you know I've been reading books and listening to people and following other people and mimicking them and and trying to build a brain that makes good decisions because I see other people make good decisions and so I like did all that yeah but that and that led yeah. me to a place that is just fortunate and I'm observing this, but now being an enterprising individual, I'm always like kind of thinking about like, what's another thing I could do? I'm always having ideas. I'm always weighing other people's ideas and things like that. And mm -hmm. I have a few like on the back burner at the moment, just ideas or even started projects a little bit. And I get to mm -hmm. this point where I'm like, okay, I understand that. I understand what you're saying, Justin, but that part, mm -hmm. that part about like understanding where the market is, how big it is, and what's the move, and how to how to make the move. That's the really, mm -hmm. really hard part. And and I, I think just yeah. in this conversation, one thing that I can take away is like, you've reminded me of an obvious thing of like, go to Reddit. Like, go to where people talk mm -hmm. and look for help. Like, that's a huge, mm -hmm. huge thing. But but I think there is this, yeah. there's, a, there's a few things, uh, um, Okay, I have two questions, but I'll I'll start with one so that we can riff on that one. And that that first question is sure. like, I would love to come away with this 
come away from this. And I think other people listening, mm-hmm. uh, like if if we could flesh out some of what goes into um, finding, basically finding a market and determining that it's a good market to get into, which seems like such a big, broad question. But really, the answers are as simple as go on Reddit about, you know, a thing mm-hmm. that you're you're into or that you have this idea about and start mm-hmm. reading people's things because a lot of like some of the examples that you bring up like with are very anecdotal and i i follow that too Mm -hmm. like i feel this Mm -hmm. way and i'm a person in this position so maybe many other people do but that's like a red flag goes off for me like that's a danger don't just listen to like one intuition you have gather data of of the masses feeling this way yes Um, yeah yeah Yeah. okay so and there is a lot of nuance here so let's and again i could be wrong and I'll say that here's so, this kind of leads to my second one. My the thing that I don't want to do, I want to avoid the answers that involve just be into something, be into something for a long time deeply, you know, <laughs> and you yeah. will find these things yes. like that's the thing that I, I want to explore alternatives to that, you know. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, I think in practice, it's almost always the things that you pursue are all already going to have been things that you're interested mm-hmm. in. If you've never shown interest in surfing and you just never thought about it, you're never going to become a good surfer. And um, if you do want to start surfing, it's going to be a journey. And if you want to be the kind of surfer that catches a big wave, um, it's going to require kind of a life of cultivating all of the things you need to do to become that kind of person. And so the, I know people don't like this answer, and maybe I'm wrong, but my, my, my sense and my intuition is that you do have to be the kind of person who cultivates skills, experiences, interests, mm. working with different people, experiments, Um, that will eventually lead you to uh, something. Yep. And I think you can um, be mindful of that. Like if your ultimate goal, I think ultimate goals are nice too. So 2008, 28 years old, got four kids, get this job at the software company, driving in an hour into downtown every day and an hour out. And it's just killing me. I hate the commute. Start listening to podcasts. Start listening to folks like Rob Walling talk about how they've built this different life. And in the car, 28-year-old Justin says, that's the life I want. And so at this point in my car, I'm just going to point my boat in that direction. I'm going to open myself to that possibility because I want that. I'm super frustrated the way I am right now. Now, I don't have a plan. I don't have really any way of getting there. But the end thing that I want is what what I have now. And of course, it was also conceivable that I I could have wanted it and never got it. That's a risk. That's life. Um, That's business. Of course, not everybody who starts a business is going to win. Um, Although my goal is to try to help people at least increase their odds. But being open to it and having the goal of like eventually 
I want there to be a Justin in the future that's making good money, that can pay off his line of credit, that can um, wake up at 10 and walk down to the office and have a three-hour conversation with Caleb. That is where I wanted to end up. And um, so I think that's part of it. And uh, I think we could use another anecdote that's like more recent because I'm going through this again now because I'm starting this new company with Joshua Anderton called Meeps. Okay. And uh, we've been chronicling this journey on the Mega Maker podcast. And so you can, you can listen to how we've kind of got there. But Meeps grew out of my experience of running online communities, running subscriptions, being a part of meetups locally, being a part of a co-working place locally. All these things I've done in my life that have, I've cultivated over decades. And so for me personally, it was mining my past experience. And I actually don't know if there's another way you can do it. You've got to mine your experience. And so then the goal becomes, how do I become a person who has all of these, if you wanna become exceptional, you just have to have exceptional experiences. And, um, you know, in some ways, this is actually why I listen to podcasts. Like when I'm listening to you and Daniel and you're talking about taking these trips and you're talking about fly fishing, part of me is thinking, I got to do more of that in my life. I've got to be the kind of person who cultivates more adventure in my life because I know good things happen when I do that. Mm-hmm. You're cultivating experiences. You're cultivating getting out of your house. For my brother-in-law, you know, he got really kind of down over the pandemic, started playing a lot of Xbox, mm. and it, he just wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And then he got inspired. He's like, you know what? I got to get out of this. You know, And there was a trip that he took where a little vacation, and it just made him feel better. And then all of a sudden, he was open to these possibilities. And so I... <laughs> If you're the kind of person who just plays Xbox, um, it's going to be harder. If you're the kind of person who doesn't take risks, who doesn't, you know, seek to be in motion, seek to have experiences, seek to cultivate experiences, it's going to be hard. Um, Because I, I don't know anybody. Think of every entrepreneur you can think of. Think of every innovator, every person who's... It's all based on their experience. It's not, it's not the shark tank thing where they're, they're, you know, watching TV and they go, well, you know, the egg cracking market seems like a good right. market. You know, yep. it's, it's not like that. It's, it's Spanx. You know, it's like <laughs> a woman looking at her life yeah. and going, like, I got to solve this. And when I'm with my girlfriends, we all have this. Yeah. You know, and maybe we don't articulate it all the time, but we're all insecure about our bodies and maybe I can fix this, right? It, there's a reason a man didn't come up with that. There's a, there's a, um, there's a, a just a intuition or a reflex to chase, um, a shortcut is the 
worst word for this because I'm still chasing this and I will continue to chase it because mm-hmm. I would love it if someday I understood enough about markets and businesses and and all those things to be able to sniff one out and and construct something um, deliberately. Yeah. You know, I think that's sort of what we're chasing. What I'm chasing is this sort of, it's the same, it reminds me a lot of the the naive that, by um, calling on myself here, the naive um, reflex with advertising. It's like, well, if I have a product and it sells for $150 a piece, and if I mm-hmm. buy some advertising, you know, for 500 bucks, I get, what, 30 clicks, and I, you know what I mean? Like, if I... Even if I make mm-hmm. 50 cents on the money I spend on advertising, I have a money printing machine. So mm-hmm. how easy is this that I should be able to just pour money into Google ads or whatever and, and there's my money making machine. Yeah. It's like there's, there's this desire yeah. to sort of survey the landscape and see things and understand and have the mental calculation go like, well, this is a good market. This is a good deal. Here's the right strategy. We execute on it yes. and it works. That's what I'm looking for versus because the only thing that I've done seems so scattered and slow that it's like almost a process I don't want to repeat, at least deliberately, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'll stumble into it because I am a curious person, but it's not something Mm -hmm. where I think about a new thing. I'm like, oh, I should go spend, you know, 10 years of my life, you know, fanboying over the experts in that thing and going to those conferences and following them on Twitter and and the other yes. bit of friction that goes into that for me is that my whole everything is centered around software development, specifically Laravel. Mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, I can yeah. branch out of Laravel and I have with Alpine and things like I can kind of, and maybe in the business, that's a common one, like kind of like Adam has done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like, what if I want to become a, a fly, f- what if I want to make like a product for fishing? Like, do I want to, am I even mm. capable of like, I would, am I, how do I build a whole new everything following and everything if i've already built this huge one in this thing like am i going to build this tiny mm-hmm. one in this thing so i need i need back channels i need ways of more efficient ways than just people following me and being like oh caleb borzio he's a great fly fisherman i follow his newsletter and he tells me all these tips yeah. and like now he's coming out with this new rod so i should buy it like that's not going to work i'm not going to apply that method that i applied to this thing the big big mass of my career to something else yeah. it would be like that's why I have these questions because I want strategies. Yeah, yeah no, like, this is great. I, you know what I'm saying? Well, and and keep in mind that you already have discovered a shortcut because you're in your 20s right now. Yeah. And you figured this out early. <laughs> and, and partly because of you were able to see examples. For sure. Um, of, of this happening. That's immensely helpful. You could go into the fly fishing market. My guess is that's probably a two-decade project, <laughs> um, because because some markets are just harder, and um, you would have to. Um, there's there there's just a. Some markets are just harder, and some products are just harder, and and consumer products are harder, and manufacturing's harder, and you could do it. Um, you would have to start. You know, you would start probably following people. You would have to make it a project. Like you would yep. follow people who have done consumer launches, probably on Kickstarter, and see what their life is like, and hopefully interview them on your podcast. And you know, I, I was curious about this, and I interviewed my friends at Studio Neat, who have had three or four uh, 
consumer launches. And I just said, like, how does this work? Like, what's your day like? How's it been? And, you know, the sense is like they really killed it at the beginning of Kickstarter. Mm. And, you know, now it's a little bit more challenging and they still have a good life. But it's pretty, you know, it's you just get a picture of their life. And then you go, well, do I want that? Or is there something else? Um, and the, the, I think what's really important is that you're, you get really clear about what kind of life you want. And then as you're evaluating opportunities, I mean, this is the other hard, hard thing about business is it can't just be a good market and a good opportunity. It has to be a good market and a good opportunity that you're best suited for and that will give you the life you want. It's like three big check marks. It's so hard to find anything that fits that. And uh, there, there's an imaginary the, person in my head that like that, that fits all the things of the things that I'm actually doing. Like it's my life's work. I've thrown everything into it. Everything I say centers around the things that I make money off of and do. And it's, it's my mm-hmm. hobby. It's my passion. It's my job. It's everything. Um, yeah. But there's the imaginary enterprising businessman who is able to do this mm-hmm. in multiple realms in multiple ways and profit off of them. Um, so I guess it's like, and it's not even, it's not even so much a money centered thing. It's more like a game, like, like it's possible yeah. for me to like arrange the, the pieces of capitalism in such a way that I can generate value and generate value for people, generate value for myself off that passive income. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know. There's just, there's- yeah, it is a game, but think about the games you play. I mean, first of all, the games you play, you're like, you know, how painful is it to play Settlers with somebody who's never played Settlers? <laughs> it's just like, okay, we got to, it's easier playing games. It's almost funner playing games when you know what you're doing. You've got experience doing it. You've played the game before sure. uh, and you're up against a good challenger. And uh, I think in business, it's going to be the same thing. And so... In some ways, I'm the same way as you. Like, I'm going, you know, there is probably an opportunity out there that if given the chance, I might be interested in if, if um, you know, like I said, like in, in, in five years, Adam Wathen says, hey, Justin, like, just come and run operations at Tailwind. We just need your help. And it would be an interesting challenging challenge for you. That might be interesting for me. I would take that job based on the fact that I have experience there. There's like there, I know the game, For sure. but there's still a lot of challenge C- compared to, I have this other friend who's really into like enterprise sales. Like he's working with mm. some of the biggest retailers in the world. He's always hopping on planes and, you know, talking to these big wigs. And maybe that might be interesting to me sometime in the future, but it's just like, I don't know enough of that game. And it's, there's not enough there that I could really do it, yep. you know? Yeah. And maybe that could change. Uh, I mean, just talking to him gives me more of an idea of whether I want to play in that game and whether I could compete or, or whatever. It's kind of like uh, I fantasize all the time about getting into politics. Okay. And then I just joined one committee uh-huh. and that proved to me, it's like, <laughs> fuck no. Yeah, yeah. 
like the the fantasy you have about it like you you just imagine yourself giving speeches and creating Impact policy and, and, and then you go there and y you realize what it's really like you watch you know? parks like, and rec these are a little bit yeah 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 it's, it's a great that there's so much so many great um moments of political satire in that show that yes the, the bureaucracy of politics yeah. and they, they do a hilarious job at that but yeah totally parks and rec so I mean, if I was you, I would, I would keep, and it's funny we all have these moments. Like Adam had these moments where he's like, "What am I going to build next?" I built refactoring to collections, yeah. and you know I'm a developer. It feels like I should be building software, and I still haven't built the SaaS. And you know, mm -hmm. what am I going to do about it? And um, you know, then he 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 throws around some ideas for building SaaS, and then while he's in motion yeah. building Kite Tail. Right. This other thing comes along, and uh, and everything has pros and cons. Um, Adam's business has some downsides that I personally don't like. Uh, like he's got a much bigger team than we have at Transistor. Um, you know, there's there's things about it. So there's pros and cons to everything. Uh, he's made a lot more money than I have, so that's a pro, mm -hmm. right? That's a pro. Uh, and y you can evaluate those on your way as well. Uh, but I, my, my sense for anybody, for you, for me, for anybody listening is that it's going to be the, the, the seeds of what we're going to grow, we've already been collecting them. And if you haven't been collecting them, then you, you probably need to start doing that. And there's lots of ways to lead an interesting life. Go to meetups, go to conferences, build relationships on Twitter, publish a blog, Start a podcast, interview people, um, go talk to people in other businesses and ask them about their life. So when I'm at my barber shop, I'm asking him all about the barber business. Yeah. When I run into the guy that builds houses for a living, I'm asking all about houses. Uh, there's ways of leading an interesting life. Have adventure. Like this is the one I'm trying to work on right now is I just don't like camping that much. Uh, but and I actually honestly don't like jumping on planes. I and, don't either. Uh, there's like, but there's something good about it. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. Uh, even like a, a good example during the pandemic, we got all these forest fires here, and it's just been, you know, a hard year. And somebody messages me and says, "Hey, do you want to join my volleyball team?" And part of me is just like, "Oh no," mm -hmm. like I just don't want to. But uh, I was a little bit depressed at the time, and I just had this feeling like, you know what, that'll probably be good for yeah. me. And I went, and it turned out I don't know any of these people. Nice. It's good for you. I'm not great at volleyball, but I just go, and you play, and it's another way to have an interesting yeah, life. Yeah, for sure. It's a run, another way to run into people and have things happen. Yeah. So let's go back to Meeps. Meeps. Uh, do you want to still hear about this? Or are, you, are you tired? No, I do want to. I do. I, I want to um, respond to, I want to affirm some of the things you were just saying about leading an interesting oh, life. Oh, yeah. That, go ahead. Um, I guess, and a lot of this, I think, stems from, so I think I do lead an interesting life for the most part. And I also, I live the life I've wanted to live my whole life. Like, um, i I mean, my income is essentially passive. I work, you know, what I want to work on and I work, you know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. living the dream. I don't, I have like one meeting a month. Um, 
and it's a voluntary yeah. basically two meetings a month and I wake up and I do whatever I want and I go fishing a lot and I boat a lot and I just do whatever I want and it's a good life it's like it's kind of the dream yes. it doesn't as you know like you know there's the perpetual problem of just existence and goal striving in general where you know I've never I've not arrived I'm, I'm still searching for something I'm still reaching for something it's the hedonic treadmill like you know but I do but I do exercise yeah. the arrival enough that anyway I'm saying all this to ramp up to I lead like if I step back my life is so kick-ass compared to everybody around me and you know there's all the mm -hmm. people around me on the internet and similar lives yeah. you know but all the people yeah. around me in the real world like down there on the ground over there they have normal mm -hmm. people jobs mm -hmm. and they work way harder mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. lives are so much more constrained they have so many more problems with money and time and everything because mm -hmm. their their lives oh it's it's crazy and so they they see my life even mm -hmm. my family members and they want that yeah. and i want to help them get that and a lot of it is yes. like you know and i i've found myself in the trap of realizing that like oh i i can easily fall into the tony robbins trap like just be like, you can have what you want. Like you are standing in your own way. Like you can have everything. Yeah. Like you have to wake up and quit your job and make decisions. You're never going to be somebody who made the moves if you never make the moves. But I run yes. the risk of being somebody who had a bunch of strokes of luck. I'm in an industry that has all those really long levers. Like we talked about software. I've, mm -hmm. I've been, went to conferences. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I followed people. I have just so much about my skill set that lends itself really well to this to making this kind of life you know yeah. and there's ways to do it like not in software development and that's what i'm in search of is like i i want to sit down with people and actually yes. like strategize about their lives that might be completely physical that you know my brother is an hvac tech yeah. and he wants a different life and i'm like i can't tell him to go start mm -hmm. a SaaS, you know so mm -hmm. yeah yes yeah I, and that's awesome like i feel it the same way and i think this is why we need to be doing two things. One, those of us we those of us who are privileged like this, we have more time, we have more energy, we have less stress. Well, that's that is the 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 thinking class. That is the activist class. That is the people who have time to try to make society better. And so part of our of our objective once we get here is I think we have a responsibility to be putting some of our energy and time and resources into making society better and thinking about big questions and big problems, um, which is like, like I dedicate 50% of my time now <laughs> to like, in some ways like arguing on Twitter and thinking about things and reading books sure. that I probably about economics and thinking about politics and and because the the danger I think is the libertarian trap of being like well I made it and I'm just gonna make sure this life is good for mm -hmm. me and maybe I'll make sure that some of my friends and family members also are able to achieve this libertarian dream of individual yeah. progress um, that's not enough for me personally I think we need we need to, um, part of the reason we are here, like you said, is luck. The luck is all institutional. It's all circumstantial. It's because, you know, because somebody 
decades ago put things in motion, we get to enjoy some of the freedoms we have, some of the benefits we have. Um, clearly, you see this with generations, you know, like uh, there can be generational health and prosperity that benefits the kids. And, and so on a larger scale, I think that's something I'm thinking about. In the same way, somebody who, you know, starts a, a nice Ruby on Rails alternative framework in, you know, Python doesn't have the success that Taylor has because there's something pre-existing yeah. and he's building on, you know, whatever there's. Yes. Um, yeah. And I mean, a good example, I think the Collison brothers, I'm pretty inspired by them. Um, they, they basically built this little project that allows anybody who collects revenue with Stripe uh, to sure. donate to uh, carbon capture. Yeah. And it's a simple, you just flip it. It feels good to do it. Thousands of people are doing it. They now have the, the largest cooperative in the world um, uh, investing in carbon capture and storage. That's what I want to see. I want to see more of yeah, that kind of sure. leverage of of people. Uh, Chris Saka is doing this now. He He, he retired from... Uh, from venture capital, went to on Shark Tank, then retired from Shark Tank to start a new uh, fund that's all about uh, lower carbon uh, capital. Mm -hmm. And those are the kinds of things I get excited about because uh, I think that's that's a good use of our privilege. Agreed. But I'm the same way as you. I First of all, I haven't completely made it. <laughs> you know, I still got a mortgage. Uh, I've still, you know, there's there's concern. Uh, I'm I'm getting money from Transistor, yep. um, but it's not. Um, I haven't socked away millions, right. and um, there is that thought of like, you know, that'd be good. I also want to play other games. Like, you want purpose in life. You want to be building things. You want to be making things, and so you know, I'm searching for those things too. And I do want my brother-in-law to have a better life. I want. Um, you know, I'm thinking about all that stuff too. And the the answer for individuals is that James Clear quote I bring up all the time, which is every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you'll become. And so to tell people, there's no shortcuts to tell my brother-in-law who's in construction, to tell your your family member who's in HVAC, there's no shortcuts. And in some ways, my life is a perfect example of this. Like, I didn't get into tech till I was 28. I joined this yep. team, and I'm already one of the oldest guys and the least paid. And I know what that's like to start at ground level. And I had a benefit in that I was into computers my whole life. I had a little, you know, I was already into web development. Yeah, that is in uh, junior high, high yep. school, college. That that was a benefit. But it's it's these little actions we take that become the votes for the kind of person we're going to mm -hmm. become. And in my case, you know, in Nathan Barry's case, he got his first big win. He, his cycles were shorter. You know, he starts when he's 18, mm -hmm. works for a tech company when he's 18, and then he jumps to iOS development and he gets a pretty good ground hit. And then he jumps to writing books and courses and he gets a pretty good hit. And then by the time he's 23 or 24, uh, he started ConvertKit and... You know, he's he, he's accomplished more before he's... I, I, I don't even know if he's 28 now. Um, yeah, he, that is bizarre how... accomplished way more than he I He just did. sent out that email that I'm sure you got the, where he's like, you know, I don't think I've listed all my projects before. 
here's all my projects that I, I yes. put the timelines and the revenue and and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's pretty wild. But short cycles for for an older guy like me, it, those cycles seem so short. Yeah. Like it's like man, like at that stage, I was still, you know, doing this. Um. So, you know, it took me from 2008 to 2018 is when we started Transistor and then Transistor started paying my full-time my bills in 2019. So it took 11 years. Ooh. And it might, you know, people getting on this path, it might be an 11-year right. project. Yeah. And yep. all those 11 years, I was like, yeah. when's it going to happen? What, how is this going to happen? You know, I was, I was thinking all those thoughts. Um, but it's just putting things in motion, giving those votes, and building on the knowledge that we already have. So don't start a snowboard shop. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, this is like one of the things I wish people had told me is the, the truth about how fundamentals mm. work. And I have my degree in business. Funny. I have my degree in business and I started a, a retail yeah. shop because there was, it wasn't actually until I got into tech and then later developed relationships on Twitter. And the ultimate manifestation of this was Taylor and Adam showing me their numbers mm. and true, me truly seeing the, the potential, mm. what's possible, what, what does a good market look like? What does good margins look yeah. like? And, and you know, as, asking them point blank questions like, how, how many hours do you work yeah. a day? And, you know, Taylor going, well, in the beginning, it was like two, three years of just like working my ass off, doing everything myself, writing these docs, getting not, not getting paid a cent for Laravel. Other people are making money and I'm not. And, uh, you know, it took some upfront investment, but, Nowadays, his schedule is pretty, a lot more relaxed, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, so the transparency helps teaching people, showing people, challenging people, asking them hard questions. How do you know there's demand for that? Yeah. You know, like what, what evidence do you have? How are you cultivating an interesting life? Yeah. What votes are you putting into place right now? Like my brother-in-law, I'm ecstatic for him. Like... You know, whatever, what, four or five years ago, he tried building iOS apps. He has that experience. That's great. He, you know, the, the, the idea that he started with Objective-C and now he's trying to learn Laravel, it's like, dude, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's the kind of activity that you want to do. Like cultivate those activities. And um, so lead an interesting life. Lead an interesting life, cultivate an interesting life, be in motion. Here's one. Invest. Here's one that I think is is really important. Um, well, one you mentioned conferences at one point, and I, I think that stands out above the rest of those, that family of even above meetups and mm -hmm. things like that is like conferences. Like that's a huge mm -hmm. key to turn. Um, and yes. kind of along those same lines, here's one that um, I haven't like thought about this before this moment, so it might not be as eureka as I'm thinking about it, but maybe the biggest, biggest key that I could hand somebody 
including myself, but it's, it's almost easier to think about these things when I'm trying to like get my brother to be in a position mm-hmm. like this or so is go be in spaces and in personal contact with other business people in that realm. Yeah. Like, like yeah. So he's an HVAC technician. There is a thought experiment where he's like working on a boiler or something. It's like, Oh, this wrench is so bad at this thing. I'll create the better wrench, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, but where do you market that? Who do you market yeah. that to? He doesn't have any experience. Or he goes to whatever he, he starts rubbing shoulders with, um, HVAC, uh, company owners or HV or, or he gets involved in some way with, um, engineers and, but I don't know. That's, it kind of breaks down there, but yeah. Or the other thing that we shouldn't ignore, sorry, I, I, I should let you finish, Hit it. um, is, is you can partner up partnering. So up, if you're yeah, an HVAC sure. specialist, yeah. You can partner up with a software developer. Yep. Me partnering up with John changed That's my life. That's very cool. I was trying to build everything my own. I've got reasonable web development skills. I've been doing web development since 2013. I had the first Mosaic browser release. I was I've been I've like I've been in a long time. But partnering up with John and I've tried other partnerships in the past, didn't work. But the key was I kept trying, I kept finding it, kept cultivating those relationships, partner up with John. And all of a sudden it's like, I can run so fast. I can look over and this guy's running right yep. with me. He makes me better in every single way. And um, the HVAC person, I mean, already as a software person, as a product person, I'm like, dude, like I have Slack groups full of nerds with money who are geeking out about their hvac dashboard that they're they're using for their solar panels and their new heat pump and now they're electrifying their home because of climate change and like there is opportunity and so those partnerships were great yeah john actually is he's kind of into the podcasting industry but he's not as into it as i am great partnership we just partner up and then you can you can go with it so the it it, it's become, yeah, get get friends with other business owners, but also look for the adjacent possibilities. Yeah. Like if you're an HVAC person and you know a software developer, then start talking about it. You know, go, hey, this is what I see. And, and the software developer goes, oh, well, this is what I see. And then maybe there's a possibility for you to come together and, um, and build something that people want, yep. right? Yep, 100%. Sorry. No, Continue. that's it. I mean, and getting... Um, yeah, basically being like, I thought of this when you were talking about seeing Taylor and Adam's numbers. And I think that's a big, big one for me too on, I mean, them mm-hmm. two specifically. Um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, Nathan Barry is very transparent. I mean, Adam got a lot of his inspiration from Nathan Barry and, um, and mm-hmm. so seeing, uh, yeah, I basically like, so I could go buy, you know, some book from some, mega millionaire thought leader person but Mm -hmm. it's almost like and i think that's good so following people at all points in the spectrum but something maybe just like a little Mm low-key thing that i've learned over my career is like the most valuable thing to do is get inside the world of somebody just like a a step or two ahead of you you know somebody who's Mm -hmm. not like famous level anything but like somebody who it's just a step or two ahead of you and getting a window mm-hmm. into that world is like, you know, and at the time for me, it was Adam when he put out his first ebook. 
that was what like mm-hmm. and then he wrote that post about you know quitting his job i i worked at the job he quit and after and he yeah. quit in like two days and he you know posted those numbers and that was just like if that yeah. never happened who who knows what my life would be like but the thing is yeah I mean, he helped me in a lot of ways but the biggest way is just having done the thing and me now knowing that that's a possibility is like the biggest mm-hmm. thing and just so just exposing yeah. yourself to uh well don't expose yourself but exposing yourself <laughs> uh exposing yourself to people who are a step ahead of you in the entrepreneurial space making money in the things that you have skills in is like i'm not sure there's any better guarantee you know it's it's huge and and thankfully we live in a time where this is more possible um one of the the most frustrating things for me especially growing up in a religious family and community is the what I call um, the uh, polite society. Polite society is is where you you just talk about everything on a surface level. Everything is kind of got this generic niceness mm-hmm. to it, and I just see evidence of this everywhere. I see it in business books that are selling millions of copies. It's just like this generic kind of polite society advice that doesn't actually get you into the real what's going on the yeah, meat of concrete. things and um that's for me podcasts were kind of the gateway into this because all of a sudden you get invited into mm. these real conversations with real human beings who in the in the process of discussing things kind of expose the real raw experience in like in most optimistic terms they don't have a chance to genericize all their advice you know it's like they don't have a chance to like draw all the lines and go like and connect all the dots for you and then give you the big high level you know who's or what's it's you're just getting like the actual concrete details that go into those things and those are the things that are most interesting and most you know oh and 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 most helpful helpful, because if if you're trying to cultivate something you 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 really need to know like what should it feel like and what are the actual practical realities i mean one thing i've also tried to be transparent about is that you know 2008 to now so i did it i i accomplished it but there's a lot of hard years in mm-hmm. there and uh my hope is that most people wouldn't have to go through that cuz there's just like the struggle of having four kids to feed and a mortgage and being so late to the game and not having any savings. And it was difficult. And then also just (laughs) whatever personality, uh, I was going to say defects, but attributes I have that also made it difficult, you know, and wasted energy. And, um, you know, there, there was some pain and suffering Mm -hmm. in there. And, um, I, I'm not, I, I, in in some ways, I'm trying to, I, I'm saying these are the things I learned and I think you can circumvent some of that pain by doing these things. And if you do have four kids and you're in your 30s and you have no savings, I've been there and it's going to be hard. Like, I don't know how else to do it without it being just super hard. Uh, and I'm glad I'm here now, but yeah, it's a, you're making a bet. And it might not work out. Mm-hmm. So those are the, and this is what I'm going through with Joshua Anderton and Meeps. 
you know, we're, we're doing this new thing. I'm hopeful that it works. Uh, it's, it's come out of my experience. It's come out of, uh, I, you know, it looks like I can see these people in motion looking for solutions mm-hmm. to this. You know, people are using Memberful, people are using Substack, people are using, you know, all sorts of tools to accomplish this. I've used it personally um, since 2013, all these tools. I feel the need. I'm meeting all these people. Now all of a sudden companies are hiring community managers. Uh, people have had business associations and needing membership directories forever. Like we're trying to bring together all that stuff. Yeah. And it so far, it seems like there's potential. So far, the signs are good. But uh, one thing I've said to Joshua is uh, if all of a sudden the signal is looking like this isn't going to work, we've got to kill this. Like that's, that's the, that's the other part is that we're trying things. We're making bets. Um, I, I think listening to Annie Duke or reading her book, thinking in bets is a great, another great way to start because yeah, we're making a bet here and it might not work. And if it's not going to work, you got to fold. Like yeah. that's the whole thing. You got to know sunk when to cost fold. Fallacy. And sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. So yeah, I think if people are interested in what it's like doing like the next thing, um, that could be interesting. Or even just going back to the beginning of build your SaaS, because you know at the time, I, you know, I I'd already done whatever, 150 or 200 grand in course sales a year. Nice. And I was looking for the yeah. next thing. Um, and so that was kind of starting a new thing out of what I'd done. And I think you could get a lot of this nuanced listening mm. to yep. those journeys and, you know, hearing like, what's the rationale? What are the signs? What are, what are, what, what's, you know, why is Justin keep go? Why does he keep going here? Like, what is he seeing that's making him feel like, okay, this is pretty yep. good, you know? Yep. Is that? Is that enough? Did 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 I, I tire no. you out? Um, we we covered we covered ground, and and I would consider the question answered. Um, you know the question, and we really we really cracked it open, and we went through we mm. went through every little facet of it, which I think is important. And the TLDR for me is, of course, this mm-hmm. is not an easy question to answer, which is why you didn't answer it in one tweet in a reply. Mm. Um, and I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest bits is, um, uh, it's a it's, it's positioning yourself in the right way, which is the long game move and mm-hmm. positioning in terms yeah. of, um, the decisions you make in your life, the people you associate with the events you go to, the books you read, all of those things need to mm-hmm. be in the direction of the place you want to go. And, and yes. if you, if you're positioning yourself, yeah. right, you're spreading, you know, you're increasing your luck surface area and you'll probably you know, have some lucky, yeah, uh, yeah, some lucky move there. And that's, that's yeah, and, and, and take inspiration from people who are like you. Like if you're not super extroverted and don't like doing screencasts, don't like go follow Ian Landsman, you know, <laughs> uh, follow Jason Cohen, uh, yeah. follow the, the people who are like you. Yep. One thing I've told this story a few times, but, uh, 
one thing about you that I remember is I remember just catching one of your early, early Livewire um, screencasts, mm -hmm. live streams. Mm -hmm. And I just remember messaging Adam Wathen saying, look at this guy. <laughs> like, I had no idea what you're talking about, but you're like in your closet yep. <laughs> and you were just so pumped about it. And for people like you, that's such a good move. <laughs> it's just like, it's, 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 it's one move. of the ways you increase your, your, your Lux surface right. area is to be doing something, to be doing work and to be excited mm -hmm. about it. And, you know, I, I think Adam at the time was even a little bit dismissive. Like, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. That seems yeah. like No, he still and is. Like, he doesn't get know. it. <laughs> I, I, I was like, dude, I, there's something about this guy that already is compelling. Mm -hmm. And the, the enthusiasm was contagious. Now, not everyone has your enthusiasm. Right. But for people who are like you that have that enthusiasm, use it. You know, uh, Joshua Anderton has just been publishing this little podcast. And, you know, he, I've got old emails from him where he was emailing me and I was like ignoring him. But he just kept putting stuff mm -hmm. out and then he signs up for Transistor. So now I got to pay more attention. Yeah. And he joins my community, Mega Maker. And now I'm hanging out with him in there. And eventually I was just like, there is something so compelling about this mm. guy. And I had a little bit of money and I'm like, who do I want to invest in next? And I don't think I have enough time and attention to invest in a bunch of people, but I could probably pick one. And his name was just like near the top yeah. of the list. It's like, there's something compelling about him. Um, and there, the, this is again, you're cultivate, you want to cultivate the kind of life and the kind of personality that that happens yep. to right? Like there's just, and again, so if you're enthusiastic, if you are charismatic, if you like making podcasts and videos and everything, start doing it and do it unashamed. Like, don't be ashamed about it. Like go on Twitter and do it. And, uh, I just remember noticing you and being like, I think there's something here. And, um, and it was just based on your, your enthusiasm alone. Uh, that, that was enough for me to go, I, I can see this being something. You yeah, know? it's interesting. It's um, interesting to think that I have some part in, in like people believing in Livewire because cause to, it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a weird thought. It's almost like, almost like well, that's perverse. Like they, you should believe in tech for the tech not for the excitement of its mm -hmm. creator that cause I could be full of hot air, you know, but, but I, yeah, I yeah. do imagine it plays some role and I have learned, you know, along those lines that like, you know, I sort of, I'm overly passionate about a lot of things and, and yeah. I have, um, you know, there's been times where I think everybody goes to that phase of like self-awareness of realizing the way that you are and how strongly you are in one direction and then wanting to, to sort of, shave off the edges um and be like so for me yeah. it was like realizing that that i'm not the strong silent type i'm not the you know i want i'm i you know I'm, i exaggerate stuff like that 
and wanting to become mm-hmm. those ways to be more because it felt more honorable or something. But and and you know, like anything, it's a yeah, it's a what is it? The thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. You you yin, you yang, and then you end up in the middle like you're tuning a guitar string, and that's that's I think yes. uh, whatever. But anyway, that um, cool to hear that. Uh, and and to your point. Yeah, I just found it. Hold on, I got to show it to you. I, I won't show you what Adam's response. I'll, 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 I'll keep. Yeah, him. keep his response. Uh, this is, He'll be like, I'll, I'll keep his response out. That loser. But look at uh, here. Where is it? Uh, can I show? Partial screen share or something. Uh, I'm trying to just show this image. How come it's not? I got. Uh, I can't show this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry, old old man uses computer. Yeah, right. Just give me a second. Just give me a second. <laughs> old man. I, I screenshotted it, funny. so I was I mean, like, it is actually kind of astonishing when, when you learn your age, which is not that high. Like you're not that old. You're not old, but <laughs> yeah, you but, seem but our, so much our, younger. So February sixteenth, two thousand nineteen. I'm still a baby programmer, yeah. but all this stuff Caleb Porzio is working on seems mm. cool. Also, the ability to write all the code inline seems like a plus for new devs. Do you think this live view, live wire stuff will ever be a reasonable alternative to that's JS? Funny. He, because he's not, you know, it's that that's like Adam and I are, are pretty tight. We talk, you know, a good amount and and share a lot of yeah. things in common. This is not one of them. <laughs> this is like the one thing where, like, I think I've convinced him in a lot of ways. I'm getting blurry. Convinced him in a lot of ways, but he's he's a holdout on on JS frameworks. Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. Which is well. Well, this hold was on. Fun, I, I can't Hopefully let you go until I review helpful. your your persona. Um, you know, I feel like you know it's only it's only proper. But I I was thinking to the first my okay. first introduction to you is the stage of Laricon, and and you weren't like mm. a Laravel community member, and at first I was skeptical. No. I'm like, <laughs> in the same way that like you're skept you're like, you know, it's like there's a, a hierarchy in the community. And you just slide into yeah. the top of it and you're not even like super in a Laravel. And it's just like, in. wait a second, like you can do that. And who is this guy? Yeah. Um, and you were, you know, you're incredibly charismatic, like incredibly charismatic mm. and funny and dynamic and outgoing and confident. And, and so anyway, so immediately I was skeptical, like who's this guy? What's he about? What's his real deal? Um, and I can't point to a specific mm. moment where I learned, but I'll say, you know, the biggest moment that I could point to is your Laricon talk the year or two after in New York, when you sort of, you yeah. know, kind of put yourself out there and just gave your story. And, um, and mm-hmm. you know, and it, that was the moment I think for a lot of people is like, this guy is so real. He's so real. And so many people, dude, you have no idea how many people in that audience needed that. Like that was, yeah. that was a well, meaningful experience it. for everybody who, who watched that talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I've told this story a few times, but that Taylor inviting me to do that, I had no idea who he was or anything. But that was, I can't remember which conference it was, whether it was the first New York or the Chicago conference the year after. But one of those conferences, I had been depressed for a long time. I had run out of money. and. Taylor sent me, asked me if I wanted to, I think it was the second year I did it. He's like, hey, do you want to MC this year? And I said, yes. And I said, the year previous, you know, he'd given 
Mia speakers, yeah. whatever. And uh, I said, can I, if I'm going to MC the whole thing, can I, can I do a, uh, an MC fee of this? And he said, oh yeah, sure. And that money really saved me. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, that was like, I, I used that, I used that money for like my mortgage wow. and groceries yeah. that month or something. It, it was like lean. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super appreciative of, of having that opportunity mm. and it coming along at a moment where I kind of yeah. needed it. I was like, I just kind of needed it. And, and you know, that came through Adam Wathen and Adam Wathen found me through my blog and my podcast. And, you know, it's just, this is what I'm talking about. Like, um, how did that jackass get up on stage? Well, it's just like part of his luck, but part of it is just cultivating yeah. this life. And um, yeah, it, it, it's been awesome. And, and, and then once I was in it, recognizing how unique and special the community mm. was compared to so many other, compared to the Rails community, compared to you know, all these other communities I've been a part of, I was like, this, like, you guys don't even realize this. This is like, there's something mm -hmm. going on here that is different than almost anything else I've yep. seen. So, yeah, it's been, it's been great to be part of it. And now Meeps is, Meeps is my first, like, all my web, all the websites I build are all Laravel based, but, um, like on the marketing mm -hmm. side, but Meeps is the first web app hmm. that I've been a part of that's Laravel based. Nice. It's pretty fun. Dope. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. Cool. Lar the Laravel, that's the other thing that needs to happen is like uh, on the dev tool side and dev community side and open source side, Laravel is like kicking ass. It's, it's, it's way, uh, punching way above its mm -hmm. weight. Yeah. Uh, it's SaaS apps that, are the next thing and so to have uh fathom yeah. kicking ass and yep. that's that's awesome gets me excited to be building meeps now with laravel gets me excited i get excited about that stuff because that's like that's like the next yep. stage and i have this thesis that the tall stack or whatever um that's it's not enough to build a good business alone but the tall stack there is something special about it that makes app development easier faster better community easier to get answers like it's uh the resources now in the community are you know when we had a database problem we contacted jack ellis and he was instantly able to answer our nice. questions yep. you know so it's yeah, that part is, that part's pretty fun yeah, man. Well, um, Justin Jackson. Give it up for Justin Jackson. 